You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's the Undercard. The Undercard brings you the best in hand combat sports. Featuring major interviews, current events, and the hottest ring girls from around the nation. The Undercard is sponsored by Falling Down Beer Company, Podcast Detroit Studios, and is produced by Rochelle Witten. And now, here are your hosts, Brad, Cody, and Jimmy. Welcome back. It is episode 289. I apologize about our inconsistency of episodes lately. We've had a lot going on. Jimmy was in a play that just wrapped up, uh, Fools, right? Uh, yeah, it was called Fools. There is like no audio down here. There's like nothing coming to either this headphone or the headphone over here. We like to work out our technical issues on there. <laughs> well, you can't, you can't do it ahead of time. You just can't do it ahead of time because you don't know what's going to, it's still. In yours? Like uh, there's nothing in here and like the audio that's going through that thing is just literally picking up me talking. Hey, I, I. It's going to, it's not going to be on there. It's going to be on those. Okay. Yeah. I I have no clue and I'm not going to mess with anything. All right. That was all technical talk that I don't understand. Um, But yeah, Jimmy was working on fools. Danielle. Ring girl Danielle is celebrating her 25th birthday. Congratulations. Hey, happy birthday. They they all go downhill from there. 25 is innocent still. 26, you know a little bit much. 40, you're no way too much. <laughs> Life is no longer innocent. <laughs> Anyways, a lot to talk about, but let's just recap a little bit. Uh, kind of like, I don't know, shit's going on in the world. Everybody knows I'm a huge baseball fan. So if this show could be about what I wanted, it would be a baseball show, but it can't. So we've we've already made our bed. This is where we got to lie. It's a boxing, MMA, wrestling show. So, uh, but tonight's hat, if there you haven't go. noticed, I've Better. I've wore. Uh, they were they were completely turned off. I've wore a different hat every uh, <laughs> show. If you want to follow it on Instagram, every time I change my hat, that's fine. But. Tonight I go with the pick that I have to win the World Series. Um, everybody's going Boston, but I'm going to go the Dodgers, L.A. And uh, L.A. has been very, very good to the undercard. Very, very, very good to the undercard. And uh, not only that, um, I don't know. I love Clayton Kershaw, so I'm going to go the Dodgers. That series starts tonight. Uh, like I said, Jimmy just wrapped up Fools. Yeah, uh, Neil Simon's Fools. Neil Simon's Fools. The late Neil Simon's Fools. Well, I would assume so. I mean, he would have been very old. Uh, he passed away like three months ago. Oh. <laughs> That's why it was kind of a serendipitous thing that we were doing the show because the show was picked last last year um, to, to do. But then like a couple of months before uh, the show, you know, we started rehearsing or whatever, he passed away, which was just kind of like, all right, well, now we get to do one of his, you know, I mean, not a lot of people know fools. Most people know barefoot in the park, the odd couple, female odd couple, you know, um, uh, you know, those shows or whatever, but fools is one of his, uh, is kind of his, uh, 
dedication to his grandparents. And it's actually the the town is called Kulyechnikov, and it's actually based on uh uh not a rumor, but like an old wives tale or whatever about a actual russian town in the ukraine where like men would wear fish on their heads as like hats or like hats upside down everybody just acted really dumb and it's kind of been this folklore there we go folklore um and he decided to turn that into the fictional town of koyenshnikov and kind of give a reason why and you know of course there's you know, romance and a lot of stupidity and stuff like that. So, because, you know, when two young people fall in love, you know there's going to be stupidity. So. <laughs> yep. That's when it's all innocent and all that fun stuff. We have a really good show going on. Uh, first off, boxing Friday night, Motor City Casino. Carlos Lalinas puts on another night of knockouts at uh, the wonderful Motor City mm-hmm. Casino. Soundboard. I don't know if tickets are still available. I know they were going like crazy, but if they are still available, uh, go get them. This will be on out every time. ESPN three or ESPN plus the app. I'm not sure, but it's going to be televised. <laughs> ESPN eight, the Ocho, the Ocho. <laughs> and so, anyways, it's going to be on ESPN. So if you can't make it, watch it on ESPN. But we will have the two uh, main event combatants on our show. We're going to call We're Cortez ha- we- Chamberlain here. I was going to say, we. Have, so who's the other one? Because I only... Leonardo was- Tyner. Oh, so you didn't tell me that. He's I tougher, need to know these he's things. He's tougher to track down. I know, but I need I to know these things. Down. You know? You know Tyner's not going to miss a chance to be on the show. I know, but now i got to find photos for these guys. So who- oh, Tyner? There's tons of No, them. I know, but I have to... I, you you don't understand what I have to do for pre-production. That's why I need to know in advance who we're going to have on the show so I can, you know, set it up. I got um, you. I got you. All right. Uh, who's the first guy? Uh, Cortez. Chambliss. Cortez. Chamber. No, Chambliss. Chambliss. Okay. That one I told you, though. That, that one you did tell have. me, but you told me at 445 today. Correct. Which did not give me any time to get on my computer and download an image. I write set list the day of how I'm feeling. Yeah, but you can't. We, the, 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 this is a production, Brad. This is not just a you show. This is an everybody show. So gotcha. Everybody needs to be involved. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. And then we also have Leonardo Tyner, who yeah. is facing off against. the the. We'll get into a lot of it. Um, but anyways, I just want to touch a little bit on uh, some pop culture here and there and some wrestling. So last night, uh, one of the uh, saddest moments ever in wrestling. Yeah. Uh, In WWE Raw, we actually posted it on our Facebook. Roman Reigns, who had a difficulty kind of getting over, which is a term in wrestling with the fans, but he finally got over uh, by beating uh, Brock Lesnar and getting the championship. Um, He announced... Well, first off, how he announced it was like very emotional. He announced that, you know, he he, he said, hey, I am. And he, he revealed his real name. And he said that he's been battling leukemia for 11 years mm-hmm. and that it had come back and that he uh, was going to fight it again. But he had to step away, but he would be back. Mm-hmm. And then there was like a really emotional moment with the shield up on the uh, walkway in which the shield came out. Obviously, he's a member of the shield. And so it was just a real moment in wrestling. And they broke from, I don't want to call it script because. Uh, they they broke kayfabe. There you go. The fourth wall. What are, no. no, 
kayfabe is the uh uh um the term in professional wrestling where like the bad guys are the bad guys and the good guys are the good guys and they stick to the script and this guy's feuding with that guy is called kayfabe so when you break kayfabe it means that you're you're like we're we're not pretending right now this is this is real this what you're hearing is actually me speaking to you not my character speaking to you and he did it sorry i'm eating too it's he did it okay, and Brad. um when he did it uh you could tell the whole audience was shocked and yeah. everybody started chanting his name so it was a really cool moment and WWE raw history in which the yeah. the fans were a part of an announcement it wasn't it just sucks that it had to be something like that you know oh yeah i mean it's just you know fuck cancer but fuck cancer um but you know he he obviously has battled it before um hopefully he's got to jump on it this time and he you know he seems like a fighter and you know he'll be back and oh yeah i'm sure he'll be back i mean well it it he'll be back in some capacity i don't know necessarily if he'll be back as uh uh, as a wrestler or if he'll maybe come back as just part of the um, uh, like management team or whatever, depending on how much this takes out of him. Yeah, that's, that's very true. That, that's the other thing. And um, uh, speaking of WWE and uh, um, and I can't remember her name and I can't look it up right now because I'm busy doing other stuff, but there was a uh, uh, during the May Young uh, the first inaugural May Young All Women's Battle Royale. Um, one of the one of the female wrestlers, and I don't remember her name. I, I'll look it up later. But um, during one of her moves, she jumped out of the ring and she completely blew out her knee. And that was, and you could tell, like she was in a tr- severe amount of pain. She kept trying to like keep going, and it just it just couldn't. You know, she just couldn't do it, and. We- Posted that on Facebook. Yes, too. we posted that on Facebook. But one of my favorite moments, and again, it's a breaking kayfabe, was uh, when Triple H came to her, and she's in the back, and she just kept saying, "I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry." And if you, it's kind of hard to hear because it's you know, it's in the you know, it's very soft the 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 audio. But if you listen very closely, you can hear Triple H Hunter. Hel- her or um whatever um he actually says to her you know you have absolutely nothing to be sorry about don't say you're sorry you know but you know i know i and you know i mean it's different but i know in like performances if something happens and you can't continue you feel responsible even if it's a complete accident even if it's something that had nothing to do with you. You still feel responsible. You still feel bad because you feel like you're letting everybody else down, you know? So I, I understand what she was coming from, but at the same time, I thought it was really cool of, you know, of triple H to say, you know, stop saying you're sorry. You have nothing to be sorry for. I, I totally agree. That was a, you know, an injury that right away where they stop it and they're like, whoa, you know, um, well, that was it. She kept trying to go and the refs like, you know, do you want to stop? She's like, no, I want to keep going. And then the doctor's just like, I, you know, and then at one point in time, the ref's like, stop, 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 stop. Let's get the ref, you know, the doctor in here. And the doctor's like, no, you're done. You're done. But it does go to show you how the WWE has changed from like 
the days of like Mick Foley and uh, you know, and the rock and, and people like that. Because I mean, think about it this way. How, how many, how many battles was Mick Foley in where they really should have stopped it at some point in time, but they let him go and they ended up being, Epic battles, you know? Almost all of his fights. I mean, almost all of his matches. He was, I mean, he was brutal on his body, but, you know, he he gave the fans what they wanted and it took a toll on him. But, like, they, like that, those kind of bouts, I don't think would work in this environment of the WWE right now. You know what I'm saying? They would stop it when he got that injured, you know? I totally agree. Uh, we're going to go to our first interview though. We're going to call Cortez here. Once again, Cortez Chamberless. Uh, he is <sighs> fighting Leonardo Tyner. It's happening at Motor City Casino Friday, I think 7 p.m. Weigh-ins are at 4 on Thursday, I just found out. Um, and then we have Leonardo Tyner, who's never... Little you know, ball of hate. Little ball of hate. Best, inter- <laughs> best nickname I've ever given anyone. Little ball of hate. He's going to come out firing. How did I choose who goes last? I flipped a coin. Through the power of Skype. Hello? Hey, Cortez. You're live on the air on the undercard. How are you? Hey, what's going on, bro? You all right? Yeah, pretty good. All right. So we're joined by Cortez Chamberless. He is undefeated, 4-0, and going against his biggest challenge of his career, against uh, uh, Leonardo Tyner, who's 34-13-2. and uh, I got to ask the question. First off, uh, you went away and trained, and so you, you weren't on – you're never on social media, I don't think. But you, you haven't been around. I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk because Leonardo's been running his mouth, but I mean that's what Tyner does, and he knows that you know. Yeah, he's been he's been he's been giving you, you guys plenty, so it's basically just been free labor for me. You know, he's been building up his, his oh biggest part of his career. Um, so let let's talk about this. This is a huge step. Um, besides like a Lomachenko and Oscar De La Hoya, people of that nature with a lot of amateur background, normally a step. With somebody that's fought this many fights, doesn't happen. First off, tell us how this fight came about. Who 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 suggested it to who? Uh, who approached who? And um, how this fight start to develop? Well, uh, first of all, the fight came about was because um, you know uh, I was taking a step up um, for this, this card anyway. You know, we were gonna we were looking for a very good opponent, and uh, a couple fights fell through when guys were supposed to sign contract. Where, when they were supposed to sign the contract, but they didn't. So, uh, Carlos, um, you know, he was on the phone with Leonardo and he was talking, you know, because they're pretty cool. And he was telling them about, you know, um, you know, how it was hard finding me fights and things like that. And, um, you know, maybe, I, I don't know if he was asking him if he knew any opponents or anything or not, but, um, out of nowhere, he said he'd knock me out. Um, I don't know where that came from or why he would do something like that, but, um, then, you know, obviously, Carlos being a promoter, a bill went off in his head. And when he talked to Steve, um, you know, I was right there with Steve the whole time. And, he, and when he told us that, and, you know, when he sprung the question, I mean, it wasn't even a, a, a second guessing or thing before he even got had his name out. I said, yes. Um, you know, so that's how the fight came about. 
Now, when you're talking Steve, you're talking your management, Steve. Uh, yeah. And yeah, manager. Yep. And uh, you had a plan to go. How far were you away from America? You were. I was. I was in Malaysia. Which is like how many miles? I don't even know how many miles that uh, is. Uh, that's like, dude. That's like. Yeah, lots. Like, I think it's 5,000 <laughs> or something like that. Okay. 4,000, something like that. So, obviously, Tyner is very popular in Detroit. Was it that you knew he would be around the gyms, or was this something that you and Steve came up with to get your mind clear? What What was the thinking of going so far? I mean, you just didn't even go to, like, Toledo, or you didn't go to, like, Las Vegas. You went out of the country. What was your theory on that? Um. Well... Before the before I even knew when um, the October 26th date landed, I already had planned to go out there just for as a vacation. You know what I mean, because my my girlfriend went out there, and um, it was just more of a thing like you know I was gonna go and have fun, enjoy myself, you know, just start traveling a little bit. And when we got the call, you know, it was already booked, so we just started up. We set up camp out there, and everything wound up just being um, everything wound up being really good, man. I wound up finding a gym. Where the IBO Oceana Champ was, uh, and it was really good work, um, and yeah, everything just kind of went hand in hand with each other. Now tell us a I had little. Really good strength and conditioning coaches, and um, I had like the whole nine yards, man. So you're you're not a social media guy, anyways. We've had you in the studio before. Um, is anything that Tyner's talking about or anything about the fight is it getting back to you? I mean, we communicated a little bit, and we tried to get you on the show. Um, but is anything getting back to you? What Tyner's saying, or is anybody any anything getting back to you at the fight, or is in Malaysia? Are you totally cut off from everything? Um, early on, I know he probably I know he said like some pretty embarrassing things. You know that would really kind of put a, a damper on the fight. You know, but no, um, I haven't really been paying attention to him. To be honest, I haven't even you know me and Steve we don't even talk about the fight actually. You know, we just go about our daily our daily lives, man. You know, you're just working hard and, you know, living life. That's about it. Now, this is a huge step up. I mean, this is like a Lomachenko step up. I mean, you don't typically see this. I, I'm being honest. There's only probably a couple states that allow this to happen. It's Kentucky, Michigan, um, may, maybe a couple more. But, um, you know, if you have confidence in yourself, your management kind con- have confidence in yourself that this is a way to accelerate your career is uh when tyner landed in your lap was that something that you guys were happy with or was there a decision making process because let's be honest tyner's been in the ring with canelo although a long time ago and canelo was young he's fought a lot of people um he's got a lot of experience but what what was it that made this fight just a, a good fight no, it wasn't even a decision making before Steve ushered out half of his name. I said, yeah. Um, I mean, this is what boxing needs. You know, boxing is lacking stuff like this. You know, uh, you know, be, be the change you want. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, yeah, you know, this is good. This is good for boxing. I'm here to entertain the fans. And, you know, I want to ultimately get in and get out. I don't want to be, you know, 35, 38, still boxing. You know, I want to get in while I'm young make the best fights I can as possible and get out with all my wits. Now, you know, I love you guys both because you're Detroit fighters and I've known you guys each for a long time, but I got to always ask the hard questions. You know, that's why I work, work for fight news and everything like that. Um, you haven't been long in a fight yet. 
Tyner's been the distance a lot. Um, I mean, mentally, how do you get over that? And besides that, every fighter that's fought as long as Tyner knows some tricks that some youngsters don't know. Um, how do you prepare for that also? Well, I mean, you know, I think most people forget that I also had an amateur career as well. Um, and I've, you know, been to multiple national tournaments. Um, but, you know, everything is in the gym, man. Everything is in the gym. You know, this comes with years of boxing. It's not like this is uh, my first rodeo. You know, we can, if you can do it in the gym, you can do it in a fight. You know, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's all muscle memory, man. It's in the brain. So, you know, you know, just staying focused and going over in the gym and, you know, through my whole life and my career. You know, so this is this is going to be um, just another day, man. Now, what I find most interesting that doesn't involve the fight at all is that you are a quiet individual. You like to be uh, that way. But it's fight week, and we've all seen Leonardo Tyner during fight week. Uh, I don't think he gets in your head, but how do you not get involved with the stuff that's going to be at weigh-ins and, and, and all the talking? Uh, how do you prepare for that? Uh, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Man. I'm just standing with a couple of kids for him. So, you know, I'm that, you know, anything he says, does or try, you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna, you know, affect me or anything. You know, it's, I think it's, yeah, yeah, or hurt me, you know, um, I think he's actually, it's actually funny, man. I get a kick out of it. You know, it's a, it's a, I don't know, man. It's, it, I think he, he does most of that because it's coming from a place of fear. But, you know, I, I love it, man. It's it's more energy for me to feed off of for the fight. Now, is there respect for Tyner? I mean, he has been an ambassador for Detroit, and, and going into the fight, no matter what he said, is there some respect for uh, Leonardo? Or... Uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a fighter, you know, obviously I respect what he's done, but as a person, there's not too much respect there. He said some really uh, embarrassing things. You know, some things that, you know, some lines you don't really cross, you know, um, uh, you know, that, you know, you know, all I did was just take a challenge and, you know, try to be the um, the future of Detroit boxing by, you know, setting examples of how we should be. And, you know, he said some really mean things, you know what I mean? Um, you know, and it was crazy, too, because, you know, my manager also did a lot for Leonardo as well, you know, paid for his fight, paid for some of his fights, uh, was giving him money. Um, he just did a lot of things for me. He's been talking nasty about both of us. So, like I said, as a as a fighter, I definitely respect him. But as a person, no. Now, uh, we talked a little bit about the distance, but do you have any predictions for Friday night? And uh, how excited are you to fight in front of a Detroit crowd where if they're for you or if they're against you, it is going to be a wild and crazy crowd? Um, You know, I'll take it. You know, as a prediction, you know, I'm going to take it as it comes. Or as better yet, is um. I'll do what I want and, you know, uh, give it as I want. So, um, you know, I, I, the, the crowd is just going to be, that, that's going to be an electrifying uh, energy, man. You know, I always feed off the crowd, and that's always the energy that I get, man, that I love. So uh, that's going to be great. But, yeah, as far as the prediction, man, you know, going to give it as I give. All right. This, this is Cortez Chambliss. We want to thank you uh, on Fight Week for uh, giving us a little bit of time. We're going to have Tyner on here in a little bit. And, uh, no problem, man. I, I appreciate you for, uh, you know, taking the time out of the day to give me a call and, you know, just see how I'm feeling, man. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And I, I, I will say this, and I've given this compliment to Bob Ryder, and I even posted it under uh, 
I think Scotty Buck's page. I give you mad props for taking this fight. There's not many people in Detroit that would take this fight at your point in your career. And like you said, you want to be the change in boxing. Um, I absolutely think what you're doing uh, when you believe in yourself is great. And I'm glad the uh, state did approve it. Surprised, I'll be honest. But not because of your talent. It's just when you match up how a state's supposed to, I'm a little surprised it got approved. But now that it did, there's no question you have talent. There's no question that Tyner has talent. And I expect that Detroit wins here. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, man. You know, this is what boxing is about, man. You know, just like I said, entertaining the fans and giving on giving great shows, man. Uh, this is what boxing should be about, you know, young, hungry fighters that has uh, a good team that have confidence in themselves, you know, challenge themselves. And that's what I'm that's the, the memo I'm trying to set here. All right. You relax up uh, for the whole fight week and then we'll see you on Thursday. Uh, weigh in. So you take care, Cortez. Thank, thank you, man. Now you say time is coming on. Uh, prepare them, you know, running the show late, man. Huh? What'd you yeah. say? So prepare running the show late because oh, right. he, he's a talker. Yeah. Well, you take care, Cortez, and uh, we'll talk to you All soon. Right. All right. Thank you, man. All right. That's Cortez Chambliss, uh taking on a huge challenge in Leonardo Tyner. Let's call up Tyner right away. Let's just uh, combine it so people can find both interviews. And um, I expect a different interview here. How about you, Jimmy? You're assuming people listen to our show. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Actually, people said we started late. We did start late. Yeah, we did. Like oh, 10 minutes. They're right. Dang it. Yeah, I told you we were going to have to start late. Now that we got a show in front of us, we ain't going to be able to start on time anymore. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Casually late. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're on Detroit time. Well, it looks like Leonardo's not picking up right away anyways. You have reached the... <laughs> Try him one more time. Gotta let him know we're calling him. <laughs> Almost sounds like a video game. <laughs> it's a little bit. Probably doesn't recognize the number, that's why. Yep. All right, we'll try them in a few seconds. A few seconds or in a few minutes? A few minutes. All right. All right. What do you want to talk? Oh, uh, it's been announced. I saw it on Facebook. You want to talk about who Harrison is fighting? Yeah, so he's fighting uh, Jam- uh, Jamal uh, Charlo. Uh, that's December 22nd. And I think so, yeah. Yep, and... Uh, I don't think the venue's officially announced, but I heard New York. Um, good fight for Tony Harrison. Good payday. Um, you got to get past these guys. They're they're in uh, the way, and um, you know, I, I Tony can definitely outbox them. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for the fight, December 22nd. And um, the Charlo brothers are just kind of like one of these uh, things in boxing right now, where these are, um, they're 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 big names. And it's going to get a lot of attention, and it's going right. to be great. And I'm very excited about that. All right. We should be able to try him now. He knows we're calling. 
Excuse me. Jimmy. You're the one that bought me beer. Because I couldn't make your play. <laughs> I felt guilty. I want to I tell know. Tyner I'm eating steak, by the way, as he cuts weight. Winner gets a watch. Actually, you know what? I don't, you have reached. I don't know if it matters, but Cortez says, "Hey, we're running late. You should call Tyner. We're calling on time, and he's not yeah. quite, not quite there." You want to do? Uh, uh, this is two eighty nine. Yeah. Yes. I so two eighty nine. Yep. So let's do uh, while we're waiting on Tyner. Uh, we we've done almost every uh, show. There's only been a few gaps because I wasn't here uh, for shows and. Uh, various other things, but um, we are all children. Well, most of us, we are all children of the eighties, and uh, we, uh, you know, eighties was a big, uh, big decade for us. So I'm going to go over a couple of things that happened in 1989, um, and a couple of different stats or whatever. Um, so I actually, I'm going to ask you, just because I want to see what uh, there are okay. a couple of questions. All right, so. In 1989, how much do you think the average cost of a new house was? Okay. Speak into the mic. Oh, okay. Like in Detroit? Well, I just, just in, general? In, in the United States. Well, I think they were pretty expensive still because that wasn't that long ago. Okay. So maybe like a $200,000 house would be like, se- oh, there we go, 75000 back then maybe? Okay. Something, something. Uh, $120,000. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, hold on. This mic stand is... Here we go. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Hold on here. Having some technical difficulties. Uh, I blame Dave. He was in here last. We need roadies. <laughs> we do. Okay. Right now I'm cutting my own steak. It's unacceptable. Oh, hold on. Everything is just falling apart. It was just a phone flying. Well, you were a little off on the uh, home prices. Okay, there we go. All right, so $120,000. How much do you think the average income was per year? What the average person made per year. Okay, so I know like like minimum wage was like $5 back then, right? Or like something like that. I don't know. So, um... Maybe a person that makes like fifty thousand back, like right now, would have made like maybe like thirty thousand back then. It's twenty-seven thousand four hundred fifty dollars. Okay, I'm getting warm. Yeah, that's, I'm not, that's not too bad. How much do you think a gallon of gas was? Okay, like fifty cents. These are real tricky. Now. <laughs> uh, Ninety-seven cents. Ninety-seven. 97 yeah, cents. that's what I meant. Yeah, ninety-seven yeah. cents yeah. for a gallon. All right. Um, so, uh, here are some events that occurred, uh, in 1989, the, uh, USSR, uh, finally pulls out of Afghanistan and then however many decades later, we're still there. Um, in Denmark, the registered partnership law is passed in Denmark, which grants same sex couples, many of the same rights and responsibilities of marriage. Um, in South Africa, the new prime minister uh, starts to dismantle apartheid. Uh, the Galileo spacecraft is launched by NASA on October 18th. Um, do you know what the Galileo um, spacecraft did? 
No. Okay, it's fine. I'm just <laughs> just curious if you did, if you learned it in school or you know whatever. I don't think so. So basically, the Galileo spacecraft was launched to study Jupiter. So oh, okay. it it was launched uh, on October 18th, uh, and then uh, it basically took a bunch of pictures of um, of Earth and Mars and the Moon on its way to Jupiter. Then spent two years going around Jupiter, took a bunch of different pictures. Uh, the uh, we actually found out that there's a very good chance that there's liquid water under the surface of uh, the moon of Jupiter Europa oh. uh, because of that. Um, Let's see. After 30 years, the Cold War between the East and West ends following the Malta Conference, and the Berlin Wall finally comes down. Um, uh, Let's see. Oh, uh, this is a big one. See see if you remember this, Brad. I I distinctly remember this. In China, thousands of students occupied Tiananmen Square in Beijing to protesting for democracy. The uh, Chinese government declares martial law and hundreds of demonstrators are killed. Do you remember that? I remember vaguely. I remember one distinct I remember that, but I remember one distinct picture, and that's that one student standing in front of the tank. Yeah. I remember that picture very vividly. Uh, George Bush Sr. becomes president of the United States. Uh, the Mirage Hotel and Casino opens in Las Vegas as the first huge resort hotel. That's true. Uh, in Egypt, a 4,400-year-old mummy is found in the Great Pyramid of Giza. Uh, in Alaska's Prince, and I remember this very distinctly, too. In Alaska's Prince William Sound, the Exxon Valdez spills 240,000 barrels, 11 million gallons of oil after running aground. I very distinctly remember that. Um, in technology, the first 24 satellites of the GPS system is placed into orbit. Nintendo begins selling the Game Boy. Uh, Voyager 2 passes the planet Neptune. Uh, the 486 series of microprocessor is induced or introduced by Intel. Uh, scientists pronounce 1989 as the warmest on record, possibly a sign of the greenhouse effect. Um, and Microsoft releases Microsoft Office. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, so how, have you ever heard of the Sega Genesis? The Sega? Sega Genesis. The video game? Yes. The video okay. game console. Yeah, I've never played it, but I've heard okay, of it. Okay, you've heard of it. Yeah. Okay. So in 1989, it was brand new, a Sega Genesis. How much do you think it was? It had to have been pretty cheap, maybe like for like the game or the whole station. The whole system, for the system itself, not including a game. Maybe like fifty bucks. No, two hundred ninety-nine. One hundred eighty-nine. Oh, one hundred eighty. Wow. Well, think about how much a PlayStation is. Yeah. How much? So it was like the same kind of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I don't play games, so I just yeah. taking a wild guess. Um, also, uh, you could get a Ghostbusters toy set with that little foam. I remember those the little foam. Uh, uh, it was like a proton pack, but it had a little foam on the end that did a oh, little, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the first episodes of the Simpsons are shown like not the Tracy Ullman Simpsons, the Simpsons Simpsons in 1989. The first episode still going, still going popular films in 1989, Batman. I'm Batman. It's a great uh, film still. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? I'm Batman. Um, 
Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Lethal Weapon 2, Twins. Oh, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito is identical twins. I don't know how that works. Uh, Back to the Future Part 2. Poorly at the box office. Yeah. Ghostbusters 2, Little Mermaid, Driving Miss Daisy, Parenthood, Dead Poet Society, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which was, I remember, like, that was, like, one of my favorite movies growing up because I just... Like, not only was the uh, uh, technology and what they did with the miniaturization or whatever, but it was just a good, fun movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I had a, I think I had a crush on the the girl who played the, the sister, you know, the, the girl that, yeah. Um, when Harry Met Sally, uh, popular musicians, Duran Duran, Phil Collins, Paul McCartney, Prince, Madonna, The Bangles, New Kids on the Block. Uh, Depeche Mode, Paula Abdul. Uh, <laughs> what was your uh, what? What's Paula your birthday? Abdul fell off the stage. Yeah. The what's your, uh, what's uh, your September third? September third. Your birthday was on a Sunday, Rochelle. November sixth. November sixth. Your birthday was on a Monday. Um, in nineteen ninety three. No, no, no. What? When is your birthday? Oh, October nineteenth. October nineteenth. Oh. Your birthday was on a Thursday, and my birthday was on a Wednesday. Uh, in 1989, you weren't born yet, but that's when your birthday would have been. Okay. All right. And that's just some stuff uh, that happened in 1989. All right. Tyner says he's ready again. We're going to get All right. We're going to try. Wait, what does he look like? You have a picture. Uh, Jimmy's got He looks like a little ball of hate. That's his, that's really his name? His <laughs> yeah. That's no. That'd be mine, too. If I was Leonardo like. Tyner's, his real name is, boxing name yeah. is little ball of hate. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's pain server. I give him a little bit oh. of hate. Oh. Hello. Hello, is this Leonardo? This little ball of hate right here. Yeah, Told you. there you go. Told you. <laughs> uh, Cortez just sent me a text. He says, you don't have to embarrass yourself too much during the interview. He's watching it right now. But uh, we just had Cortez on. Uh, we're joined by Leonardo Tyner, who has a big fight happening, main event. Uh, at Motor City, a lot of talk has been happening online. You've been uh, running your mouth, but I expect nothing else. And uh, you, you got uh, Cortez Chambliss, who no doubt has talent. He's fighting you, who has a ton of experience. Tell us, uh, uh, he told us how this fight came about. Um, tell us, you know, let's see if the stories coincide, that you were contacted by Carlos and they were looking for an opponent for Cortez. No, they. What I heard was he he wanted me. He asked for me after um, you know he wanted to get on the show. At, you know how Carlos he gonna match up. He gonna try to get the best fights he can. So he asked him if you want to, I sign you, or if you fight, if you fight Leonardo and beat him, I sign you. So I guess that was enough for him to take it. So here we go. All right, so you've been fighting at uh, Motor City a little bit more frequent in front of a home crowd. This is obviously a lot of emotion in this fight. Um, you got a lot of experience. What do you see happening on Friday night? Man, I'm hurt. I'm gonna hurt this kid, man. They shouldn't. No, I, I don't even. I don't even really want to talk no more. You know what I'm saying? I'm just. I'm, I'm just kind of, this is a personal thing to me now. It's, it's real personal. 
because of his his manager. It really had it had nothing to do with court chance, really. It's his manager. You know, we were supposed to do business, and he wasn't listening. He thought he knew more than me when he was trying to get into the um, boxing business. So we were set up for me uh, to start getting money, uh, monthly and stuff. He was he was so messed up. I I, I said no, I couldn't do it. Right before I was gonna get paid, I had to say, I told him no, because he just wouldn't listen at all. Like you know what I'm saying? You coming into a boxing business that I'm a veteran in. And I'm willing to let you learn this game and help manage me. But listen, you got to listen. If you don't know this game, you have to listen, man. He don't want to listen. But this shows you right here what he know about boxing. By him matching his fighter up against me like that. So that's going to that show you right there how much you know about boxing. Now, I told Cortez, and this is the God-honest truth, there's only a few states that would approve this fight, Michigan being one of them because Michigan's just um, – a little bit out there, but uh, Kentucky being another one, but most states would deny this just because not because Cortez doesn't have talent. It's just the, the records are so different in the experience you bring to it. And not only that, and and I brought it up to Cortez. Cortez hasn't been in deep water yet. He he's gotten rid of his opponents quick. Um, to me, I'm surprised. That Michigan approved it. Do you feel disrespected that Michigan approved this? Because I mean, you're you're obviously on their tongues. They know who you are. Um, you know, you're you're fighting someone that's four and zero on Friday. Well, I don't feel disrespected from Michigan. I feel disrespected from Cortez because I always poured for him. I helped him. I cornered him before. We had the same trainer. You know what I'm saying? I give him information. I I, I just helped him. I, I was pulling for him. You know what I'm saying? I told him I didn't give him but nothing but good advice. You know what I'm saying? Everything. It was like I was looking at him like a little brother for sure. So that's why it's personal on me. Like, damn, he did that? Like, you actually did that. That's why it's like I kind of want to hear, hear him say something. Like, it really is too late now. It's like I, I ain't heard him say nothing. I wanted to really talk to him like why you know what I'm saying and I think I think his manager Steve kind of forced it on him or something and and he think he tough he a Leo like me so he a young lion so he took it, it, it it's kind of it, it hurts me a little bit you know what I'm saying that he right. did that when I'm looking when I always looked at him like a, 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 a young guy coming up that I was pulling for like yeah you gonna be good we need you I need to help you do this I need you to, to know this right and for him to, to take the fight like that that was that was that was real disrespectful to me. now you know I always am honest with you and that's the, how I got this position and we, we continue on with the honesty uh yeah, but I mean, we're friends too, and I'm friends with Cortez. Uh, I look at it as Cortez doesn't have much to lose. If he loses to you, he lost to a guy that's been in the ring with Canelo and has a lot of records. I look at it as you have more to lose. Would you agree on that? That you have to take care of business? Yes, yes, yes I do. I have a whole lot to lose. And, and the only reason why I did took the fight is because it's like, you come, you came for me. You really think you can beat me? So it, it really, you know, usually a guy be like, "Go ahead, man. I ain't fighting you, man. You ain't worth fighting." But me, the type of guy, um, I'm gonna take all challenges. 
it was personal that you even took it. It was no way I was going to turn it down once you said you wanted to fight me. So it's, it's a personal thing now. Now the the yeah, you're right. I, yeah. I got more to lose than him. It's a win-win situation for him, but it depends on how he goes to sleep. Now, if he falls flat on his face, it's over for him. <clears throat> but if he just, you know, loses, he's okay. But if I knock him out like the way I'm planning on doing, he's done. Not. Now, you've been in the fight game a long time. You know your body. How ready are you for this fight compared to other fights, uh, even the exhibition you had in Vegas? Uh, how, how how ready are you? How how conditioned are you for this one? For this one, you know how much time we have for this? And that's crazy, too. I had too much time. I got trouble, man, back in my corner. That's it, It's just... Too much added on to him. This guy, this kid, man, he should, I don't know why he did that. It's Steve Fart, though. It's Steve Fart. He's trying to, he's trying to bunny hop his business in this, you know what I'm saying? He's trying to make his name known quick here. But you're not saying that stuff on me to do it. Don't come through this door, man. You can't come through this door. And especially with me and all we was together. We all was together. So it's like you're taking a shot at me. I'm trying to get your fighter that just started to beat me and to try to fight. So it's this is personal, man. This is real personal now. Now, uh, you're well-respected around here. Even Cortez says he respects you as a fighter. Uh, you would agree with me on this, and I, I'd like you to make a statement that we can even publish, is that when these Detroit fights happen, it gets heated in the crowd. No one wins if there's a fight in the crowd, no matter how, who they're pulling for. Uh, do you agree that the crowd needs to relax, enjoy a good fight, let you guys put on your performance? And when we have these Detroit uh, fights, it gets a little heated. Um, I, the last thing I want to do is see something happen that is negative in Detroit boxing. So root all you guys want, but realize that there is a line and don't cross it so these fights can continue to happen. Do you agree? Man. One thing you know about me, I'm a smiling killer. I do my thing in the ring. I don't try to fight nobody outside the ring. That ain't nobody even thinking about no fighting outside the ring. No, I'm talking that, about that, the fans that are there. Like I'm talking. Man, we, we ain't got control of them, idiots. If they drinking or whatever, we ain't got control of them. We just can calm them down on the mic, but we ain't got no control of what the people doing when they drinking on the outside and arguing with each other. We ain't got nothing to do with that. So it's not our fault if that was the case. But all we can do is get on the mic after the fight and talk some positive stuff and then that'll, that'll hold it down to me. Mm -hmm. If we get on the mic and talking crazy, then it might start us something. But me, you know me, I'm not I'm not no guy that goes outside the ring and, and, and try to fight nobody unless you just flat out disrespectful. No, I was just saying, as as somebody that's well respected in in the fight game around Detroit, um, and and I'm just talking over the last few cards where a Detroiters versus Detroiter, yeah, it's gotten yeah. a little heated. We, we don't want to see yeah. that. Just sit back and enjoy you guys fighting. I don't think our, I don't think ours gonna get like that. I don't think it's gonna get like that. You know what I'm saying? Because we we having our hype little words. I'm saying my stuff. He ain't said nothing. 
But I'm saying my little stuff and then his little, his uncle, nothing, man. This is all part of the fight hype. And I'm I'm mad at I'm mad I'm coming in mad and I'm I'm coming in fighting hard and I'm trying I'm gonna try to hurt him, so that's all it is. And after it's over, I'm gonna let him know you shouldn't have did that, and hope you have a good career after that. Now, uh, problems is with Steve looking at him. Now, even though you're focused on your fight, you you uh, are close with Dwayne Williams. He's got a fight. Against uh, another local, he just fought Anthony Barnes. Uh, tell us uh, how Dwayne's looking. To tell you the truth, I would have never thought in a million years. I'm just being honest that Dwayne would look as good as he did after the start of his career. You've been around him. Um, a little break from your fight. Uh, what are Dwayne's chances uh, this Friday? And, and um, you working with him? How has he changed so much? Well, he started coming back and training with us, so that got his little mojo back. He's working hard, you know what I'm saying? This that that positive energy we have in World Best. That just, it just it's just like that. Everybody who comes and trains with us, it's just they be so positive and, and, and so into they so into their craft now. I mean we get old fighters that retire, they come in there. We got them coming back training hard and sparring. It's like I'm I'm the lead to that, you know what I'm saying? Because I know I'm old and I'm leaving in a minute, so I like I want to get all the older guys in and get them back working out because I want to stay into it too. Once I retire, you know, because once once you retire, you know that weight coming on, and I got to keep myself right. <laughs> I was gonna tell you I was eating steak by the way while we were calling you, and I know you like steak, but we had steak in the <laughs> studio today, so I know that it's got to drive you nuts. But uh, that, huh? nah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was eating steak. It was pretty good too. I'm not gonna. Uh, well, you're gonna be his next fight, Brad. Nah, nah. Me and Tyner go way back. He he, he likes me. He, he at least he says in in front of me he likes me. I love you. You're a great guy. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, I'm excited for this fight. Detroit wins, and uh, like I said, uh, you know, I, I give Cortez credit. The one thing I can do is that. There's a lot of people in this city that duck people. And for him to take on... Let me stop you. Let me stop you with that. Okay. Don't give him credit for taking nothing. It, he had no choice. He stands with that guy, Steve, and Steve is forcing him to do this. Don't give him credit for taking a fight like he's tough. No, he was forced. He's living with Steve. That's his daddy, Mr. Drummond. He is not taking this fight just because he wants to and he think he can win like that. The man was forced to take this fight. I know it for sure. The man was forced to take this fight for the money and Steve going to put him out there. You know how many other fighters they could have chose to fight with that same experience as him? Right. Come on. He was forced. To fight me, man. I mean, give him credit for shit. He was forced, and he wouldn't have did this on his own. I'm telling you that now, flat out. He was forced and talked and geeked up, and Steve in his ear. Come on, man. Well, give him credit for taking this fight. He didn't want this fucking fight, man. He was forced. He stayed with that man. The man is manager. The man tried to give any money or whatever. 
You got to earn. This is his biggest payday right now. Steve wants some of that money back, and he wants that. He wants the knowledge that his fighter can fight or something. I don't know. But I'm shutting the, I'm shutting his ass down, man. I'm shutting Steve down. I might let Cortez keep going, but I'm shutting Steve down. All right. Well, this is Leonardo Tyner. We, you know we love you. Uh, regardless of what happens on Friday, we got to have you back in the studio. Um, we, you think he's going to win, too, don't you? No, I don't. No, I actually because of fight news, I don't make predictions on fights that I cover. I honestly don't. But I can tell the way you're talking, you feel he got a chance. No, I. We all family here. Oh, I understand. You know, like Cortez can fight. He can fight. No, I. I'll be. I'll give you the honest answer because I'm honest all the time. I've not seen enough of Cortez. I've seen a lot of you, and um, you know, I like Cortez as a person. I've not seen enough of Cortez. I've seen a lot of you, and I know that uh, I tell you what, if Cortez wins, he's going to have to go to hell and back to win. That that I know. Um, if, I, if I had seen more of Cortez, just like some of the fighters around Detroit, I could make it a more accurate prediction, but I know if he's going to beat you, he's got to go to hell and back. He's got to go longer rounds than he's ever gone, and... Um, you know, I, I, I don't make predictions uh, because I'm writing for Fight News. You you, you know that. We, I've been writing for Fight News for a long time. I, I hope both you guys come out of the fight safe. Uh, I don't want anyone to get injured. I know you're in there to, uh, you know, hurt them. But at the same time, I hope both you guys come out um, and Detroit right. wins. But what, um, you got to tell me who, but it was a lot of uh, Detroit fighters thinking he got a good chance. I don't know. You know, I saw what you posted on social media that you you thought some people were saying it, and and you know what, you have every right to to believe that if they don't answer you. With me, with being media, it's not proper for me to make a prediction on a fight I'm going to write about. Exactly. I mean, I want for, I'm not trying to force you to do it anyway. I was just saying that this is to see what you say it, but it's a lot of like your your, your former co-host think he can beat me. My former co-host, Cody Marv. Marv? Who? Your former <laughs> Anthony. Anthony Barnes? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if he posted something, you know, I don't remember him ever saying was, anything on the show. Scotty Bolger, Scotty Bolger put up a um, a poll, uh, who you think going to win. Uh-huh. I see it was people voting, and Anthony was with Cortez. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it, it's one of those things where, like I said, the the thing being media, I'm neutral. And I, I think you, man, I've covered, I'm trying to remember how many of your fights I've covered. I, the one thing I do pride myself in is that I am neutral and that when I do write, um, I don't call anyone a bum for getting in the ring because at the same time, right. you guys are always yeah. risking your lives. You know what I'm saying? And, uh but I don't make predictions on fights I, I cover. But I, like I said, I will say this, that if, if he wins, he's going to have to have gone to hell and back. And I know you're going to give him everything he can handle. At the same time, if Cortez does win, uh, he beat one of the better fighters that Detroit has seen in the last 20 years. And he's probably earned his right in uh, the Detroit oh, yeah. passageway. Yeah. If, he, if he beat me, if he, if he beat me, he deserved everything he got coming. But he, his next fight, 
he better still look good. Don't train hard for me and then don't train hard for the next guy like Hot Boy did. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, you know, the, that. the thing is you got to keep up the pace, too. If he was able to get past you, you can't go back and fight somebody with a losing record. You got to continue to build on that momentum. So the one thing about, like I said, it's a win-win. That, that's the, the, the honesty there. If he goes 4-1, and one, he went 4-1 and one against a guy – who's trained with Floyd Mayweather, who's been in the ring with Canelo at a very young age in Mexico, who uh, has one of the best body shots we've ever seen and has not aged as most boxers have. So for him, that's who he loses against, and he gains a lot of experience. If he wins, he just beats somebody with a ton of fights on his record. So it's a win-win. And my, okay, my thing is, if, you know, I can come in and and be at my worst, right? Me at my worst will make him have to go from hell and back. You know what I'm saying? Me at the worst will make him go to hell and back. So me being in shape and <laughs> he he going to stay in hell. Well, I mean, there, there's no doubt in, in, in the other intangible is that at any given moment, you have the power to end the fight. Uh, and so he could have a perfect fight, as we've, we've seen before, and at the Masonic Temple, even though because of the state it was overturned, you ended it in the last 10 seconds. I mean, you know, so you're always dangerous. So no matter what's happening during the other rounds, uh, that's the one thing that's that you can say is that Leonardo Tyner is always dangerous. I call you a little ball of hate because uh, how much you enjoy being in there. You're always talking. You're always smiling. I, I can tell you enjoy the sport, but I, I can tell this one's a little personal too. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm curious what Tyner we're gonna see. You gonna see an angry Tyner? You gonna see that for sure? You gonna see an angry <clears throat> Tyner? I'm gonna turn the fire. I'm gonna turn the fire on early. Early. So you're gonna end it early? You think within the first two rounds? No, I'm turning the fire on, so it's on. It's gonna be on high from the, from round one, so it's on him. But to me, my prediction is he gonna quit on his stool. All right, around three or four rounds, he gonna quit on his stool. Well, Leonardo, uh, like I said, I want you both to be healthy on the way out, and then uh, I'm sure we're going to talk afterwards. I've always enjoyed uh, you being part of the undercard, and uh, regardless of what happens with both you guys, you're always welcome on here. Hopefully we've done a lot for you guys over the years, and uh, it happens Friday. Could you send me some so I can hear this man talking? Can we? heard nothing. Can we do what? I want to hear something he said, anything. I don't know. Are you able to call Cortez back really quick? No, no, no. He's asking if we can send him the link to the show. Oh, yeah. We'll send you the yeah. link to the show. Absolutely. I mean, to tell you the truth, he was mad respectful. And, uh, you know, we respected you as a, a fighter, he said. But he said that it is personal, some of the stuff that you said. and uh, But was very respectful through the whole conversation, just like you've been respectful. I mean, you, you feel slighted. He owed me, he owed me respect though. He owed me respect. All the stuff that, that I did for him to me in box. Oh, he owed me that. Mm -hmm. He owes me that man. He's wrong for doing this. He's wrong. And he's going to pay for it. He's wrong for doing this. And why wouldn't a guy like me say, yeah, 
That's an easy fight. He only got four fights. Hell yeah. But this shit ain't like that to me. This shit wrong. He shouldn't have did that. All right. I'm fucking him up for that. Excuse my language. No, you can swear on here, man. I mean, we, we like that, actually. We like passion on the undercard, man. Uh, well, you know? I'm passionate, man. I'm, this, 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 this personal, man. He shouldn't have did that. He shouldn't have did that. All right. Steve shouldn't have did that. Steve shouldn't have forced that kid to do that. Right. Oh, well, I mean, to tell you the truth, huge step up. And I was telling Cortez, besides Lomachenko and some of the Olympian champions, I can't recall, and I asked my partner, Bob Ryder, who who I write with, I've never seen a fight besides like a Lomachenko or something like that where somebody right. has so little fights going against somebody with so much experience. And that's the the appeal of it, is that you don't see this too often, and there's a lot of side stories to it. And they, they think I'm old and washed up. So that's well, why they did it. Well, you can't be old that's because if you're old, then I'm old. And that's not true, dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm young at heart, my man. You know that. All right. Well, we'll see I you. I'm 43. So, <laughs> hey. We'll see you soon. All right. You take care and uh, best wishes on your fight on Friday. All right. Hello. Did we lose him? Oh, man, he was just going to end on that note. <laughs> Damn, apparently I'm fighting Tyner afterwards yeah, uh, at 11 o'clock. Damn, Fights dude. Fights at 1030. Yeah. No, we're friends. No, I know. It doesn't um, matter if you're friends or not. I've seen friends throw down. <laughs> you know? No, you know, very different interviews. Um, we'll, we'll wrap it up here in, in a minute brief here. You you got Cortez, who we've had in studio. You remember Cortez in studio? We were, at, we were at the Royal Oak studio. Yeah, I was say very, vaguely. Very yeah. respectful, very yeah. quiet. I, I expected that interview. Um, and then you had Leonardo Tyner, and I expect that kind of yeah, exactly. interview. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know the backstories. I right? don't. And and I mean the way that it it sounds like I'm I'm actually very curious on whether or not Tyner has, uh, it, uh, you know what he says is true that. Uh, Cortez's manager forced him into this fight because I mean that changes the, the dynamics. Like you, like like he was saying, you know, you were saying that you have respect for Cortez for not ducking this fight, but Tyner's saying no, he had no choice. Mm-hmm. It's not like he was being tough and like I'm gonna, I'm not gonna back out of this fight. No, his if it's true, his manager's forcing him into this fight, which completely changes the whole dynamic of whether or not. You know, uh, whether or not he, uh, you know, is tough for taking this fight or not. Yeah. You know? and, 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 even, and it even and it even changes the dynamics of if he loses, you know, if he chose to fight and he lost, there's still honor in that. But if he is for if he has no choice in this, like, I, I mean, he has a choice. I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I'm wondering. How much truth there is to that? Because well, no, that I, changes I, I, the I, dynamics. You meet in the middle. Yeah, his manager advised him take the fight, and so that's that's what I think Leonardo Tyner is trying to say is that it's a great opportunity. I mean, oh no, it's a, a great opportunity. Of, yeah. There's not a lot of Leonardo Tyners out there. No. All right, no. it's somebody that's been in the ring with How a lot old of people. Is Leonardo Tyner? He said he was 43, but that double can't check be box, right. right. No, he's probably right. <laughs> no, that's right. Oh, that's it is right. right. And um, I think he's old. Year older than me. Holy shit! No, he's you know, age. but I mean, at the end of the day, Cortez has to probably agree to it. 
you know. Well, I'm not. I'm but somewhere in the middle, right? Well, unless what and what Kiner Tyner was saying is that you know he's his managers like you will take this fight or you know you're like I'm providing everything for you if you don't take this fight you're done. Yeah, you I know? don't. I don't know that. I was just saying. I'm just curious. All speculation here. I, of course, it's all speculation. I am just. I, me personally, am curious on how much truth is behind that. You can be curious. I'm covering the fight, unfortunately. I know. So I can't be curious. I, so gotta, then I'm going to be curious for the show. There you go. <laughs> you go find the answers to that, and I'll I will, cover the fight. I don't know how I will find the answers without getting my face kicked in. No, no. I, I always. I'm always curious. Yeah. Um, what what people think. Um. I mean, the the great thing is that uh, you got a very good, uh, how am I going to say it, potential uh, champion down the road with Cortez. Mm-hmm. But potential is a word I only like to use once. And But in this fight, you could use it more than once because if he loses, he loses against Leonardo, who has a ton of experience. Right. It's a win-win. It is right. a win-win. It is a win-win. Even Tyner admitted yeah. it's a win-win. All the pressure is really on Leonardo Tyner, and he admitted it kind of when I brought it up. It's yeah. like, I can't lose. Right. You know? um, but it's going to be good. We're going to go to our first break. Well, no, let's do uh, What's on Tap. All right, we're going to do What's break. on Tap, and then we're going to go to right. first break. Uh, do we have the audio or... She's way ahead of you. Oh, I hear it now. Okay. All right. This is What's on Tap, sponsored by Falling Down Beer Company. On October 27th, at New York on HBO, we have Sergei Derivian Shenko versus Daniel Jacobs, 12 rounds for the vacant IBF middleweight title. We have Alberto... Moshando versus Yuandale Evans, twelve rounds for Moshando's WBA regular junior weight junior lightweight title, and we have Heather Hardy versus Shelly Vincent rematch, ten rounds for the vacant WBO women's featherweight title. Uh, at New Orleans on DAZN, we have Ivan uh, Branchik versus Anthony Yigit. 12 rounds for the vacant IBF junior welterweight title World Boxing Super Series quarterfinals. October 29th in Manila in the Philippines on ESPN Plus, we have Phoenix or sorry, Felix Alvarado versus Randy uh, Petlicorn. 12 rounds for the vacant IBF junior flyweight title. Uh, moving on to MMA, the only thing I had a printer malfunction. The only one that I can read that I know is there is on October 27th, UFC Fight Night 1, I believe that's 138, uh, Odizner versus Smith, and that is in New Brunswick, Canada. And that's What's on Tap, sponsored by Falling Down Beer Company. We're going to go to a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Undercard, Hand Combat Radio. You put like uh, actual like uh, rhinestones or whatever on something. There's a bejeweler or a bedazzler. Uh-huh. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry. I love when we come back. Come, yeah, I was gonna say no yeah. Knows what we're talking about. <laughs> well, I was talking with uh, our lovely ring girl here, and I was complimenting her dress, and it's got you know it's very sparkly on the top, and I was saying uh, 
You know, it's and I was trying to think of the term because I'm like, it's not bejeweled, it's not bedazzled. Those were things that we had as kids. Correct. But there was something something mm-hmm. else that um that allowed you to decorate your uh your uh clothing or like if you uh what was that movie with the rock? Um uh, the game plan, where his daughter uh, bejewels or bedazzles his game football or whatever. Right. So, yeah. So same same kind of thing. But there was another thing, and I can't remember what it was, that allowed you to, to do, like, those kind of nice patterns like that. Did you have one? I didn't, but my cousins did. Mm-hmm. And they bejeweled and bedazzled everything, including our clothes when we would go and stay the night. And then we'd come home, and there would be, like, a little flower on the butt, you know? So it was kind of funny. Now, uh, next Tuesday we're broadcasting, and uh, are you familiar with what ne- next Tuesday is? Uh, the it's Devil's Night. Devil's Night. Yeah. Think about this. What what would the odds have been thirty years ago that we would be broadcasting on Cass Corridor before all this was built over here? On Devil's Night. Oh, uh, my God. 350 I, to 1? 500 I, to 1? I, I'm going to uh, – I need to do a little bit of shopping beforehand. <laughs> um, I need to uh, – let's see. One, two, three. Uh, I have two. So I'm going to get a couple more handguns. No, it's, it's <laughs> Angel's Night now, man. You well, know. it's only Angel's Night in the areas where they patrol. Right. You well, know. I think we're safe next. To I, I, we're, we are fine there. where we are right now. I'm, I'm still gonna, you know, I never come but downtown this, without it. But this block yeah. thirty years. Ago, oh God, no. Five hundred. Well, uh, uh, no, so twenty years ago. Twenty years ago, I was gonna say. So, t- like, we didn't venture off Woodward. Right. I was gonna say like twenty some odd years ago. And true story. So, and I don't remember exactly where it was in Cass Corridor, but um, I was working for the family. Uh, a company called Pache and Sons, and we did fire insurance repair. And there was a building in Cass Corridor that was a halfway house and had caught on fire. Some, some one of the the recovering uh, addicts had left one of his crack pipes uh, lit, and it caught the room on fire and caught half the building on fire. So um, we were there basically to gut it and then rebuild the walls and you know do all that kind of stuff. And we, um, it was like, I think it was like three stories high and we were on the roof eating lunch and people were taking pot shots at us. Like just, you know, you hear the, the crack and then the zing, crack, zing. Wow. And we knew they were shooting at us, but we were like low behind the wall. So we knew they couldn't hit us. And we just kind of crawled back to the inside and continued to do our work. But yeah, that was I don't I would maybe I was 18 at the time so 22 20 so I'm 42 now so was that 24 years ago wow yeah I mean that was only 24 years ago but yeah and then well and then there was another guy that would come out and yell at us and we told him to go f off he brought out a paint gun and started shooting at us but that was something completely different you know what I think of when I think of uh, Detroit uh, Devil's Night I think of the crow the movie because it's based around Devil's Night in Detroit, even though it wasn't filmed in Detroit. Right, yeah. Well, it, no, yeah. it does. He, he, he no, died, no, no, I know. Him and I his know. wife die on Devil's right. Night. It's a year later on Devil's Night. Right. I just remember, I mean, when I think of Devil's Night in the city of Detroit, I just think fire. Just lots and lots and lots of fire. Right. You know, I mean, just arson, like, up the wazoo, you know? I mean, that's what I think of when I think Devil's Night. I think... 
to me, Devil's Night in Detroit used to be the purge before the purge was a thing. Like in Devil's Night in Detroit, like you really didn't see cops. You didn't see ambulances. It was kind of like anything goes because they weren't going to go venture out. Mm-hmm. You know, you could kind of get away with almost anything on Devil's Night because it was too dangerous for them to to go out and try to stop it. But then the communities decided to take it upon themselves to stop what was happening. And then because the communities were getting involved and actually trying to do something, the police and the fire said, OK, if you do this, we'll back you up like we're not going to be the only ones out here doing something, but if you want to do something for your neighborhoods, we will back you up. And then that's where the whole movement kind of got started. People patrolling their own neighborhoods and then the cops and the, you know, the fire and the ambulances or whatever, like backing them up when something would go down. So, uh, I, so we're, we're a week away from, uh, Halloween, which is one of my favorite holidays. And, I think uh, everybody's favorite Halloween yeah, uh, just, holiday. I, I mean, why. honestly, I'm not even a candy guy. But anyway, no, it's not. It's not. Can't. I love Halloween. I mean, I'm a theater kid, so I mean, I love Halloween because I love dressing up. I love and I love watching kids. Like, I'm so excited to be living where I am right now because where I lived in Hamtramck, like hardly anyone would come trick or treating. But now I'm in like a suburb. So I mean, I hope candy and I I say I hope kid I like I I'm gonna dress up as a Jedi. I'm gonna have like, like I'm gonna have little like you know telescoping lightsabers out there that kids can like, you know, like pretend to be Jedi or whatever. And you know if they even if they're dressed as Captain America, they can grab a lightsaber and like you know hit my lightsaber with it or whatever. Um, but, you know, I'm just I'm excited to see like the kids dressing up and like I love Halloween because I love, you know, dressing up. I love, you know, it's a day where you can just be whatever you want and there's no judgment. You know, you want to you want to dress like a mummy in toilet paper. You dress like a mummy in toilet paper. You want to, you know, dress like uh you know, if and it and it doesn't matter, boy, girl, or whatever. You know, if you're a girl and you want to dress up like Thor, you dress up like Thor. If you're a boy and you want to dress up like a mermaid, you dress up like a mermaid. You know, have at it. You know, it's the night where anybody can be anything that they want, and there's no judgment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's what I love about it. It's Halloween. Halloween represents what everyday life should be like. You can do whatever you want. You can dress however you want, and there's no judgments. I got you. Yeah. And that's why I love Halloween. That and, you know, I love the occult and ghosts and, you know, mysticism and... Scary movies? Uh, I mean, I don't like scary movies because scary movies don't scare me. Like, they're just... supposed to, I think, at our age. Well, I mean, even even at a younger age, like, there was only one movie that ever really, like freaked me out and that was the exorcist because Heck i saw it yeah because i saw it when i was like seven dude that still you, freaks me out it actually. doesn't it just I, all i do watching movies like scary movies now all i uh, okay let me rephrase that when i watch a scary movie now a horror movie now all i'm doing is sitting there thinking about how they did the special effects Okay. Like that's that's all I do. It's like okay, so she's probably tied to a, a wire, and then this is a mask, and they probably have this. You know, I mean, that's it's so it's not scary to me. But I will tell you this: in my adult life, there was only one movie that I ever watched that scared me in my adult life, 
And that was when the Blair Witch Project first came out and when everybody still, it was still being touted as actual found footage of these kids being lost in the woods. So I watched it at the, I remember watching at the Royal Oak Main Theater and it was the only one where I was actually scared because I have been lost in the woods before. I mean, I of course found my way out, but like that fear that you have being lost and then having like shit happen to you. And this is again, supposedly real stuff that was happening. Like that actually scared me yeah. because I'm like, I've been there, you know, beyond that. No, no, there's, there's no, you know, I find like when they did paranormal, uh, activity or whatever, those aren't scary. Though. Those weren't, well, they did paranormal activity and it was supposed to be found footage. And I was like, eh, the last time they said that it's, uh... but it was good. Like, when because they were still t- they were trying to tout it as you know found footage and this actually happened i'm like okay if this actually happened that's pretty freaky you know that's pretty scary but i doubt this uh, this is a real thing and then it turned out that it it wasn't you know they're all based on true stories based on based. true stories well i mean so i you did take one sentence of yeah, a story i mean i did you know back in back in my early days um i there was a group uh that i was friends with and they were really into the occult and uh, we would go ghost hunting and stuff like that. And I was the group's demonologist because I knew the most about the various different entities. And I also knew a lot more like with the protections and what works and what doesn't and stuff like that. And there was only uh, two times where I actually came across something that actually bothered me. The first time uh, was actually uh, with Marv when we were at the uh, uh, Russell. No. No, no, no. This is way back when Marv and I worked at the museum. Greenfield Village. Uh, Greenfield Village. There was a, there was a dark, I'll call it a dark presence, uh, that had taken over one of the cottages in the village. Um, and it was one of those, uh, where like, you know, cause I, I'm, I'm sensitive to like that kind of stuff. And so I walked in there and like the lights, like even though it was daylight outside, I walked inside and the lights like went out and I felt this like heavy, malicious presence there. And it, it scared me. Like it was the only time that it actually scared me because the maliciousness behind it was so fierce. And so, I mean, I hate using the word because people have a, um, have a, a, a horrible, like when you heard the, when you hear the word demonic or demons everybody thinks of like the christian demons like things that come from hell and things that come from this you know uh uh, real estate and that's not what demons are demons are like in everything in the universe the universe needs to find balance so for all good energy that exists out there there is negative energy Negative energy isn't necessarily malicious in its intent. It's just the absence of positive energy. Um, so there, you can have uh, negative energy. You can have demonic energy, but it's not malicious in its intent. It's just negative energy. This was malicious negative energy and that's why it scared me because i could feel its malicious intent and we they actually had to until they actually had uh somebody who was much more advanced than me go in there and cleanse it uh they couldn't like they had a cow in the barn that just died one night like its heart exploded like healthy cow they had it in the barn it's its heart just exploded like 
stuff like that would happen. The second time was, um, and, and I, I highly unrecommend it or not recommend it, but, uh, I had friends that were messing with a Ouija board and a Ouija board is not in itself a portal or a gateway or whatever you want to say. But the problem with Ouija boards is you get the same way that, uh, positive thinking can, uh, do, uh, positive things. So like one of the things like, and this, this, not to like to subtract from religion. And if you're, if you're a religious person, that that's fine. But I believe that prayer works not because there is a, uh, a, a benevolent, benevolent, uh, entity that bestows a, a miracle or a answers a prayer or whatever, but prayer works because you're sending positive energy out into the universe and that positive energy will come back. So when you get enough people concentrating on a single thought and praying or positive thoughts, positive energies or whatever, you're putting so much positive energy into the universe um, that your that that energy eventually ends up coming back. Well, the same thing happens with negative energy and negative thoughts. If you put negative energy and negative thoughts out there, then that's what's going to kind of return to you, or you're going to become a bigger conduit for that kind of energy. And I think that the the problem with Ouija boards is you everybody thinks, oh, you know. You you mess with a Ouija board and you're in evil things are going to come through a port. Well, that's not what is actually happening. What's happening is you're putting those thoughts out into the universe. So you're making yourself a conduit for bad things to come back to you. So I had a bunch of friends that were messing with a Ouija board and they were specifically, and I told them not to do it, they were specifically trying to summon a malevolent spirit because I had this kid friend kid who thought that he was powerful enough to go toe to toe with a malevolent spirit. And it, um, uh, so they were messing with the Ouija board and nothing happened that night, but over the course of the next few weeks, we noticed that he started to become very ill, started to become very sallow. He started to becoming, uh, you know, he lost interest in everything, almost like he was depressed without actually having the depression. And he wasn't eating. Like every time he tried to eat, he would throw up. He, they took him to the doctor. Nothing was working and stuff like that. And uh, I went over to his house. And this, this was like I hadn't seen him during this. This is what was told to me uh, when I went over to his house. Like this is what had been happening. And so I just kind of like just out of curiosity, I just kind of like opened myself up or whatever. And I felt like a like a – I guess the best way to describe it was like there was this like thick like tar that was kind of like pressed up against him and it was like basically crushing him slowly. Um, so they ended up uh, they ended up taking him to, again, a guy that was much more knowledgeable and that kind of stuff than me. And he, he cleansed him and he was fine or whatever. But that was the second time where it was like this malevolent kind of like like a like a tar that was just kind of like it was trying to suck his life force out is i guess the best way best way you could describe it at least that's what it felt like to me you know this thing was trying to suck his life force out and there are things that exist in the universe that you know uh that that can do that or that they feed off of energy you know there are people that uh without even knowing it um 
they they uh and you might know somebody in your life without even realizing it uh they suck the energy out of you it, and it not even necessarily with a malicious intent they just their energy is vampiric in the sense that they 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 want more energy they they draw energy from other people so when you're around those kind of people without even realizing it you'll notice that just being around them for a short period of time makes you drained Mm-hmm. Like you just feel drained after being with them as a short period of time. And same thing as the polar opposite. There are people that when you're with them, you feel invigorated. You you feel more energized. Right. You know, because their 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 energy is a positive energy. They give energy. You know, they they give they have a lot of energy and they give you energy, you know, and you can uh, focus on it. You know, you can focus on giving somebody energy. Um, you know, if somebody's having a bad day, you know, giving somebody a hug, you know, physical contact is a big, big way of transferring energy. If somebody's having a bad day and they're feeling, you know, really, um, drained or whatever, and you give somebody a hug, you're actually giving them a little bit of your energy. And that's why hugs are so therapeutic because you're actually giving them some of your energy and and so if their energy is down, if they're a little drained or whatever, it, it invigorates them. It, you know, it, it, it gives them a little bit of energy. And that's why, you know, hugs are actually one of the most therapeutic things that you can do. Just give somebody a hug, you know, and the more you're connected with somebody, your energies have already interconnected. So giving somebody that, you know, a hug is probably one of the the greatest things that you can do for somebody else. You're giving them some of your energy and they will almost instantly feel better, you know, because you're, you're giving a part of yourself to them, part of your energy and you're bolstering them, you know? So that's why, you know, even a lot of psychologists will say, you know, hugs, hugs are really, really powerful things. Good stuff. You know, it's good. It's good energy. It's good energy, you know? You're you're doing good for 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 that person, you know. So I forget how do we even get on this. We're topic. talking Ouija. Oh, Devil's Night. We were talking Devil's Night, and I was talking. Yeah, I talked about uh, all the different things, and I went off on a tangent. I apologize. I think of a Ouija board as simply as uh, one of the first jobs I ever had was uh, you know customer service, and uh, there was a, a man and a wife who were deaf. And they used to get really frustrated that you couldn't understand them. I didn't know sign language. Not only did I not know sign language, um, when they would try to communicate, it was bad. But then you you handed them a pad of paper and a pen. Yeah. And all of a sudden you were on the same level. That yeah. to me is a Ouija board. And that's why you don't F around with them because you've given stuff a notepad. Well, that's kind of that's kind of the same. And yeah. Now, same now idea. You're on the, yeah. Same on idea. The, the, like, the, so I've never, I mean, I've tried uh, and there's been times where I'm not sure if it was just dreaming or if it actually happened or not. But um, are you familiar with the term astral plane? I mean, I've heard of it. Okay. But I mean... So basically the concept is that all energy, all life force in the universe exists on kind of this like astral plane. 
Um, and when your and when your spirit leaves your body for whatever, it floats on the astral plane. Now, if you're a religious person, it floats on the astral plane until it finds its way either to heaven or hell or purgatory. Um, if you're if you are uh, um, like a Buddhist, uh, it floats on the astral plane until you uh, until you come back and you achieve enlightenment. Uh, if you're a Hindu, it floats on the astral plane until it re-enters another body and you're reincarnated until you've done whatever it is you need to do. And then you reach, uh, uh, Nirvana or Brahma or whatever it is. But, uh, so it's just basically, it's kind of like this vast ocean of just spiritual energy. Um, and the, but the, the, we as living beings, uh, so think of it kind of like, it, it looks like everything that you can think of, okay? So when you're in the astral plane, it looks like everything like here, except everything's kind of mute. Again, I don't know if I actually experienced this or if I was just dreaming, but this is what my perception was. So everything looks the same, except it's kind of muted, except all living things that are in that area shine very, very brightly, okay? They're, so like if I, if I was on the astral plane right now, like the three of you would be glowing, with energy because you are a living being you have so much energy stored inside of you now the the better person you are the the brighter the brighter like the the whiter the glow is the worst person you are the 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 lower you know the thing is but there are these things that exist also uh little tears i guess you could say in the astral plane where you can physically through the astral plane interact with this reality. Ouija boards to me are basically these giant tears. You're, 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 you're basically giving them a key to open up a portal or open up a doorway into this reality. Um, and and the it, it's not like a portal as and they can come through but it gives them like they can like take like a little hook oops <laughs> they can take a little hook and they can hook onto you so even though they're still in the astral plane and you're in this reality they still have a line to you you know i i, I that's how i kind of see them you know that's why they're so dangerous it's because you're you're inviting something to be able to attach itself to you and be able to 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 influence you from a, a whole other realm hmm. now Danielle you like scary movies yeah uh, what's your favorite um like showgirls absolutely frightening sorry <laughs> <laughs> um you know I like the jigsaw oh movies. Those are like saw. so I like yeah. more like things gore. like it could be realistic yeah gore yeah. or like the Texas chainsaw massacre. You know, just like things that could happen in real life. Yeah, Rochelle's addicted to, or she just finished House. Oh, the Haunting on Hill House. Yeah, yeah. don't I spoil just, it for I me. I may or may not. No, I, 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 I haven't seen the next Netflix version, but I believe I saw the original, and I'm not sure if I did or not. Um, I think I did. There's but, been a few. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I think I've seen. One of the originals, but I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm confusing it with something else. It's based on the Shirley Jackson, right? And that's I, I never read the books. There was but, one that's black and white. There's one that was in the '90s with like Tay Diggs. 
I think maybe that's the one that I saw. Yeah, there's yeah. a couple, but this is, it's 10 episodes. Yeah. It's very detailed. It's yeah, yeah. So besides Saw, what's another one you like? You know, there's this one on Netflix, actually, and it's pretty new. It's called Terrifier. And I've it, never seen it's that. really freaky. I've never heard I couldn't of that. sleep after I watched had, it. Had, did you uh, watch the Babadook or Babadoc or whatever it is? That's pretty Babadook. decent. No. Babadook. Babadook. Is that new? Is that on Netflix? It was on Netflix last ago. year, I know. <laughs> it's not, yeah. it's newer. It's it's a foreign film, though. It's not. Isn't Babadook was a foreign film, wasn't it? it was, no, it's not. It doesn't have subtitles. It's No, but I mean. It, oh, it, it was it, made in. England or something. Yeah. yeah. Like they have accents and stuff. Yeah. It's been around for four. That's a good it's one. It's Australian. I'll have to mm. check that out. Australian. That Australian for beer. It's the Babadook. Australian for horror. The Babadook is Australian for horror. Have you seen the new Halloween? No, I want to go see that next weekend. Ah, or like this upcoming yes. weekend, basically. Mm. After I work Motor City, of course, I'm excited. Oh, nice. Yeah, Motor City should be fun. Yeah. I mean, after hearing those two guys uh, talk, now I'm even more excited about it. So, uh, But we're going to wrap up episode 289. Uh, we're a week away from Halloween. We're out of the, we are the out 80s. Of the 80s now. Yeah, Officially, thank yeah. God. Yeah, we'll be back another year. We're, 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 we are 10 episodes away from 300. I know. 300. I know. I mean, it's crazy. Like, I was talking to, there was a guy that, uh, 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 right before you guys walked up, he was waiting on Dave. And he's like, so how long have you guys been doing this? And I'm like, man, like five something, five and six a half years. years. Almost. Like, it'll be six years in April. Six That's years in April. Crazy. It is crazy. Six years. Six yeah. years in April. Like, um, th- almost 300 episodes so what's far. What's Joe Rogan on? 800 or something? I don't know. But, I mean, he. He, I think, has the most I see out there. And then we're 300. I mean, that's nothing to, like, bat your eyes at. We're, like, that's a battle lot. Thermopylae almost. It's <laughs> a lot of episodes. It's a lot of episodes. Uh, and, and no disrespect, and she's been around. Some people will come up to me and be, why haven't you been on my show? And I don't remember if they were or weren't. So I have to look at Rochelle, and Rochelle has a better memory than yeah. me. And uh, Heather Hardy fights this uh, yep, Saturday. she does, yep. Um, we've had her on the show. Uh, you yes. know, we've had so many people on our show where people will be like, you should have that person on the show. And I'll be like, we've had them on the show. I think show, we've I had think. them on the show. Yeah. yeah. I think we have had yeah. them on the show. So, but we're going to wrap up 289. We want to thank Danielle for coming out. And, happy uh, birthday. Happy birthday, Danielle. Birthday. Awesome. <laughs> and then we will be back officially on Devil's Night, episode 280. No, no, no 290. 290. 290. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Out of We're not the 80s. starting the 80s. Yeah, 290. Yeah. As we march towards 300. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, I'll come up with something for, for Devil's Night. I think we're going to play a game. Oh, We're going to play yeah, a game. Yeah. 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 Oh, but, right. by the way, we I didn't even get to comment on this, but I got I to gotta end on this. Uh, Michigan beating Michigan State. Yes, they did. Uh, if you remember. Wait. Not only did Michigan beat Michigan State, but Purdue – Beat Ohio. Beat Ohio State. That's awesome. I mean, spank them too. It was a Michigan Christmas. It really I mean, was. It doesn't get better. And the Lions won. <laughs> yeah, and the know. Red Wings won. I know. It was like, what is going on right now? It, it was a good sports. It was a for good sports weekend. Area, yes. But uh, you, if you remember, uh, speaking of how long we've been on, all I wanted for Christmas was Jim Harbaugh as the Michigan coach. Yep. You remember that? That was I, at the Russell. I do remember that. And at that time, there was really no chance he was going to. And then all of a sudden it happened. But this is exactly what I wanted. And uh, 
you know, to quote Britney Spears, you want what? your crazy, you got your crazy. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's crazy. I don't, I don't, I think it's done for state as long as he's around. I think he's, uh, I think he will outwit them for a long time. But anyways, we'll, let's wrap it up and we will go. Uh, see everyone soon.